This episode of the Major Spoilers Podcast is being brought to you by Loot Crate. If you're looking for gear, collectible housewares, and more from your favorite pop culture franchises, look no further than Loot Crate. They offer a range of geek and gamer items for less than $20 a month. And if you want to take it to the next level, you can check out the Loot Crate DX, which gives you even bigger, better loot. If you're looking for uh, some clothing, they've got Loot Wear, which is the monthly wearable and accessory subscription. They have a whole bunch of stuff over at LootCrate.com. And September is all about speed. The September Loot Crate has high-octane assortment of goodies from Batman, CW's The Flash and Arrow, Battlestar Galactica, Iron Man, and Gone in 60 Seconds. If you have a style need, you'll love the Speed Loot Wear Collection featuring Sonic Socks for when you've got to go fast, a Transformers wearable for your world-saving needs, and a winning Mario Kart t-shirt and a whole lot more. You can look for that in the Loot Wear Collection coming out this month. You have until the 19th, though, if you want to get this uh, Speed Crate you have until the 19th at 9 o'clock p.m. to subscribe and receive that month's crate. But if you miss the cutoff date, oh, you're going to be out of luck. So make sure you head over to lootcrate.com spoilers, enter the code spoilers, and save on any new subscription. That's right. Lootcrate.com spoilers, enter the code spoilers, and save. Thank you, Loot Crate, for sponsoring this episode of the Major Spoilers Podcast. The Major Spoilers podcast covers news, reviews, and of course, spoilers, and goes into details about the topics discussed. So if you haven't read, listened, or watched the items we talk about, you might want to come back later. I'm Matthew. I'm Rodrigo. And I'm Steven, and you're listening to the Major Spoilers podcast, the podcast for pop culture and comic fans. In this issue, comics, the Final frontier. These are the voyages of the major spoilers podcast. Our continuing mission to boldly talk the talk, review the comics, and pull the kick butt poll of the week. Plus, we're gathering the magic, and you're the first to know. So join us as we boldly split infinitives that no man has split before, because the major spoilers podcast is on the air. Welcome to issue 694 of the Major Spoilers Podcast. That was uh, Matthew, you need some work on your card impression, but, eh, you know, I give it a three out of five. So, you know. Okay, first of all, that was Janeway. Second of all. A little bit more work. You are so derisive. Am I? I give it, I give it, I just... Do you really? Okay, let's get to some news and see what you have to give. We've got three items this week. (laughs) We've got the regular show, won't be so regular after season eight. Batman Return of the Cape Crusader gets a theatrical release, and Magic the Gathering Kaladesh cards magically appear at major spoilers. Let's spin that Wheel of Destiny. Let us see where we land. Oh, it lands right there on Magic the Gathering Kaladesh cards magically appear at major spoilers. What? What? So, um, apparently, Rodrigo, there is a new block of, was it a whole new, what is it called? A whole new set, a block? What is so this called? It- both, actually. In this case, both are correct. It is a, a new block mm-hmm. because a block is composed of two sets. So a right. new set, which kicks off a new block. Ah, okay. Nice. So this new one is Kaladesh. And I kind of, mm-hmm. you know, I know that there's supposed to be a story surrounding all of these sets and all these releases and everything. And I've really not really understood it because, you know, unless there's a book or something that's supposed to go along with Magic the Gathering. But this one sounds kind of cool where yeah. we have uh, Chandra returns home to Kaladesh it's a world where magic is outlawed, where you're not allowed to use ma- or not allowed to use fire magic. And there's something called the Inventors Fair that's going on where people show off their works and it kind of feels like a big steampunky adventure. Yeah, it's uh it's the plane that that Chandra's originally from and of course, uh, so this this plane was introduced in the 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 last mm-hmm. uh, 
actual core set, uh, Magic Origins, and um, this is us actually going in and exploring the uh, the actual uh, plane with with a full uh, set of cards. Um, it, of course, it's great because uh, they were like, okay, well, Chandra is like this impulsive, angry, red-aligned uh, pyromancer. Where should she come from? And they made a great choice of being like, well, she should be from the opposite of that. Like, that's why she left. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So, uh, yeah, in this uh, in this set, we're explore- exploring Kaladesh, and they're introducing a handful of mechanics. The one the one that you can see most obviously on the, the cards on the site are energy counters, mm-hmm. which you can then use to uh, spend on things that call for energy. So there will be things that are like spend two energy to do this or that. And the important thing about it is that rather than going on the creature, the counters go on the player. So regardless of where oh, you got okay. your counters from, they all kind of so you can use stack this as... on you instead of like, say, somebody kills your creature, you don't lose your counters. Right. So right. is this kind of like um, mana substitute? Uh, it is. I think uh, essentially it's like uh, the cards in this set are going to have this like alternative to mana. Hmm. Um, it's not necessarily the first time they've done that. You know, there's always been alternative costs in magic, but uh, it's it's just kind of like uh, this extra design space that they're investigative. Now, the the big uh, new mechanic that's coming from this uh, this set is uh, cars. Like they are, they're introducing vehicles. Oh yeah, yeah. That's where I said the whole steampunky vibe comes from. Because yeah. if you look at, I think last week we had some of the other magic sets. This is after PAX West. Uh, Mad, uh, Wizards of the Coast had sent us some of the other cards that had uh, that they'd already shown. But I was looking at it and I'm like, here's this flying thing. Here's something that looks like steampunk something or other. And it looks really cool. Yeah, it's uh, basically because this is a, a uh, an artifact heavy world. They actually have vehicles and the cards are actually called artifact. And then the subtype is vehicle and they have a crew rating, which means uh, basically you tap a number of creatures that add up to the power of the crew rating, and then the thing springs to life, and then you can do it. It's like they all climb in there and, and go for a ride. Okay, so that's kind of interesting because this other thing that um, the PR person had reached out to me, he was like, he was saying, Game Watch is kind of this new thing that we're pushing forward in um, in Magic. That's kind of like a superhero team. I know Game Watch was part of the last. Oh, set, right? Gate Watch. Gate Watch. Sorry, the ga- yeah, 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 Gate, the Gate Watch. Watch. What is the Gate yeah, yeah, Watch? Yeah. So uh, in in a previous set, um, there were like the big Eldrazi guys mm-hmm. and in Zendikar, and then uh, f- I believe five planeswalkers or four planeswalkers came together and exploded two of them, um, and then the last one flew away, landed on Innistrad, and then that's what was causing the problems in this previous set. So they show up again in Innistrad, and they're like, ah, kicking his butt, right? They're they are kind of they're literally magic super friends and i say literally because um there's a deck that is composed primarily of planeswalkers and mm-hmm. the the that archetype the way that you have white weenie or red deck wins is that archetype is called super friends oh cool no that's i think that's yeah. cool and, and finally this 
you know, after what, 20 different generations of Magic the Gathering, it kind of is starting to make sense as far as the greater storyline goes. Oh, sure. Magic, I, I, it's, it's always interesting how, like, just how all in Magic is about their storyline and how, like, completely combative and backwards the format is for delivering a storyline. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like you can't tell what's happening from the cards. I mean, you can, but without that through line, it's very difficult to, to see. So you can actually go to Magic's website mm-hmm. uh, and uh, read the storyline they used to release novels but now they just put it on the website they just basically have this every new set has a collection of short stories that goes with it that you can basically read and figure out what's happening yeah well as soon as you find out that fire magic is you know banned then you get to chandra's uh, pyro helix and you mm-hmm. get this quote this one's for my mom and this one's for me now it's obviously not her on the uh, on the card but you're like oh no, there's is a her. is that her yeah. In the in the pyro helix one with with the goggles. Yeah. Yeah. Oh well, who's the yeah. woman that's the main one holding the lightning coming out of her hands and everything? Because that's the main image up at the top of the page. That's the main oh, image that that's, that that's from another. For this that's set. from another card. That's from like ether or something. Oh, okay. And then who's the green girl? Uh that is uh, Nessa. She she's is, one of the gatewatch. Yeah, she's she is one of the gatewatch. And it's right. cool she's because you know you look at her and she's new to this area and she's like, I've never seen a world where the ether weaves through every aspect of nature. And it's like, Oh, okay, cool. So now she's new to this area and they're going to explore things. And then apparently Chandra has uh, done something bad because you have this uh, impeccable timing where someone has set a ball, bar has set a trap and uh, yep. he didn't account for this, uh, for this enormous uh, man lion thing, jumping out with a battle ax to take him down. It's like, Ooh, now that sounds like, I mean, this is like a really cool narrative that goes on just in these three or four cards that we have. Uh, I really, I really website. like I do like the the flavor text of that card because it's like he did not account for the arrival of an enormous Leonin wielding a twin-headed axe. And I just assume it's not that a giant man-lion monster is attacking him. He didn't uh, account for that because a twin-headed axe is a ridiculous weapon to use. (laughs) He was like, well, clearly. (laughs) A weapon that makes no sense. It's like, oh, no, we didn't account for improbable (laughs) weapons. There would clearly be a Leonin, and he'll probably have a single-headed axe. Oh, no, unforeseen! Yeah, like, oh, no, we, account- we did not account for the second axe head. What so, shall we do? Are, you're up in the big city now, uh, Rodrigo. Did you do with the last one, what was it, Innistrad or Zendikar? Uh, the last one was uh, <coughs> the Shadows over Innistrad block. Did you go and do the midnight release thing, parties at all the game stores? No, uh, that really just uh, lined up perfectly with uh, my new job, which oh, okay. is uh, somewhat <laughs> exhausting, or at least it was really at the, at the beginning when we were getting things set up. So I just I kind of didn't have it in me to go out at midnight and play magic. Uh, but we're actually thinking that we're we're going to try and do this one. Yeah, because your girlfriend's into magic big time too, right? Yeah, she's uh, like when. Uh, when we're like two or three blocks out from the game store, like they all get chills and like their milk <laughs> curdles and stuff because they know she's coming. <laughs> this new set uh, comes out on September 30th, comes out at the end of the end of the month. It's a uh, Kaladesh. It looks kind of cool. Uh, Matthew, What uh, you've had a chance to look at some of these cards and I know you are mm-hmm. f- somewhat familiar with magic because of working at the uh, at the comic book shop before. Uh, mm-hmm. Any thoughts on any of this stuff? Well, I think it's nice that they have that Jimmy Durante, uh, you know, Mrs. Kaladesh uh, shout out. The idea of the vehicles is something that I'm 
kind of intrigued by. Mm-hmm. And if anything were going to bring me back into playing Magic, that might. It won't, but it might have. Um, and I, I really want to see how that works because yeah, the so whole I'm curious that whole about that. last arc with the characters interacting, I really kind of like that stuff. I like the way they've they've been able to put part of that meta story into the game to kind of get around the issue of I have this character who's a super noble planeswalker and I use her to kill everybody in sight. So right. How do you use the vehicles, Rodrigo? Do they serve as like a giant bash mechanic or something? So the way they work is essentially a vehicle is a very cheap, very large creature. So mm-hmm. for example, you can, it's like a five, five for three mana. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and maybe even has an ability. Um, But they are not, quote-unquote, they're not creatures as long as they're not crude. So it comes comes in and it's just a vehicle, so it can't attack. That power and toughness does nothing for you. Right, when you you load it up with people. Right, when you activate the crew ability, suddenly it becomes an artifact creature, and now it can attack, it can block, it can do anything that a creature can do. Um, But since now your uh, guys are tapped... It's kind of like they're in there, right? That's that's like the right. Flavor. And so does it does it power up? So like if you've got a I don't know a three three character and they get into this vehicle, does it suddenly become an eight eight? No, no that's but too bad. Uh, but what it is is the crew cares about power. So mm-hmm. if you have a three three, only one three three can power up a crew three vehicle. Ah, so okay. you tap a three three, and suddenly you, now you have a five five going right. for you. Uh, okay. Or you can tap I can, okay, so three that, one that works, one. Yeah. And because because uh, apparently uh, all of the vehicles in Kaladesh are are basically bicycles, <laughs> like depending on how strong you are, that's how that's how. So hard there's they multiplayer go. bicycles like the there's, Adam, the Aquabats. Yeah, there's also um, creatures that care about being part of a crew. So mm. there's a let me see if I can find it. There's a a creature that gives haste to um, yeah, it's called Speedway Fanatic. Mm-hmm. So whenever Speedway Fanatic uh, crews a vehicle, that vehicle gains haste until end of turn. So oh. it allows you to essentially attack right away with your. Um, but Speedway with your Fanatic. Vehicle. But Speedway Fanatic can he only power up red vehicles? Nope. Ve- there's actually no vehicles? red vehicles, as far as I can tell. Oh, All okay. vehicles are colorless so far. Oh, okay. These are the ones we've seen. There are colored artifacts. Oh, multicolored. Okay, they they have a multicolored yeah. deck. Okay. Yeah, there are color artifacts in Kaladesh, with kind of, which kind of annoys me because um, it seems that like every set that's like artifact heavy, they're like, okay, 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 we're gonna do colored artifacts. That's this guy's thing. And then like, uh, so they did that in shards. The new Phyrexia came around. It's like, okay, we're gonna do colored artifacts again. Then um, uh, they did it in Theros, and now they're doing it again. So I'm like, why even have colorless artifacts anymore? Mm. Like. Colorless artifacts used to like signify a thing, whereas like, but now that you can just put color on artifacts willy nilly, ah, kids, get off my lawn. <laughs> Everybody <laughs> has them. My question though is once those creatures are tapped and they're inside that vehicle, if the creatures leave play, does that mean the vehicle is no longer powered and no longer useful? Uh, no. What? So all of these, um, if you if you go you know bit by bit on the thing, you're just doing exactly what the word says, right? Mm-hmm. So crew three, tap any number of creatures you control with a total power three or more. This vehicle mm-hmm. becomes an artifact creature until end of turn, right? 
So mm-hmm. until the end of turn, that thing is active. That means that if it dies, nothing happens to the creatures because the ability doesn't say that anything is going to happen mm-hmm. to the creatures. Got if any it. of the creatures die, it doesn't matter because this is doing this until end of turn. Um, okay. There are things, you know, things that you would imagine would happen uh, if, you know, a bunch of little critters were in there. But, uh, you know, magic just kind of gives you that initial spark of flavor and then has you basically be like, okay, I need to activate this thing. So I'm going to put a pair of magic boots on this elephant so that its power <laughs> is high enough that it can drive this boat. Right. It. It's like, you know, you end up in like actually mostly ridiculous circumstances and magic. But the, the it's that initial like spark of flavor that they're going for. Well, Magic Booted Elephant Boat is one of my favorite manga books. So I mean, it's it's very viable. It's a very viable strategy nowadays in the meta. There you go. There's your magic talk, everybody. I know or, this is a comic book pop culture podcast, but when it comes to gaming, uh, magic is probably the 800 uh, pound gorilla in the room when it comes to games. Wouldn't you say, Rodrigo? Oh, definitely. Magic is the premier card game like collectible mm-hmm. card game mm-hmm. i think everybody else is 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 a is aiming at them right now i um i found my new comic book store i found my new favorite comic book store mm-hmm. uh it is in lawrence kansas and there's another one in topeka boom comics is uh yeah, is really great. really cool i had asked a couple of weeks ago about uh, i was looking for a game store in topeka and someone had said well if you have time go to boom comics in lawrence and I didn't know that there was a Boom Comics in Topeka, but um, we had shot over to Lawrence in the afternoon on uh, Saturday, and we were driving down Iowa, and my son was like, hey, look, there's a Boom Comics over there. I was like, okay, well, let me pull in. We went in, and holy cow, they have a huge game section. This is a big store. They've got a, yeah. like half the store, one half, the left half is all comic books and comic book art. The right half is all board games. They have uh, game rooms. I think they even have game rooms upstairs. We didn't go upstairs. Um, and then they also have like this huge Star Wars collection like you wouldn't believe. Uh, and then this whole one little alcove, which is really a whole room, is nothing but magic cards. Nice. And I was like, wow, this is super cool. It's laid out very well. The people were really friendly. I went over to the Boom. Uh, we were driving in Topeka, and my son was like, there's another Boom Comics, uh, which mm-hmm. I think is on Gage or Fairlawn or something like that. Um, yeah, Fairlawn just off 21st. Yeah, and so I was like, okay, well, let me check this out because I want to see if it's this, you know, if it's laid out the same way and if it's basically a, you know, a franchise is what it feels like. It's the same logo and everything. Wasn't mm-hmm. as big, uh, but still had a nice selection of stuff. But uh, if you're in the Lawrence area, go check out that Boom Comics shop and tell me what you think about it because I thought it was really cool. You've been there, right, Matthew? I've been to both of them. I spend more time in the one in Topeka, but yeah, they're really nice stores. They actually, mm-hmm. at one point I was in there with Widget and we were just talking comics junk and the guy's like, Hey, you want a job? And I'm like, Oh, please. <laughs> oh, you should have taken it. You should have taken it. Yeah. Cause I need to go down that rabbit hole again. Sure. You do. You love comics no. and we know you do too. And Matthew needs a job <laughs> at a comic book shop. <laughs> All right, listeners, you can head over to majorspoilers.com. You can check out these cool, exclusive uh, magic cards. Uh, we're unveiling them first ahead of uh, Wizards of the Coast. You can head over to Major Spoilers, check that out. You can also check out news about the regular show not coming back in Season 8. And what? you can find out more about uh, Batman The Return of the Cape Crusaders getting a theatrical release in uh, October for one day only. So if you want to go see it in the theater, you got one day to go check it out. Go get your tickets now. Also should mention that if you enjoy our crazy conversations that we have, and we enjoy having crazy conversations. Um, if you listen to this week's Zach on Film, which which we recorded just before this, um, 
it's a long rambling conversation, but basically we love what we do and we hope that you do too. And if you appreciate what we do and you want us to see uh, more of this stuff, head over to patreon.com slash major spoilers. Every little bit helps. We're trying to reach our first goal. We are about a 10th of the way there. I'd love to see us hit 100% by the end of the year. And I know we can do it with your help. Patreon.com slash major spoilers. Why don't we get into some reviews? All right. Uh, I'm guessing last year, uh, last week, Matthew was Supergirl number one. This is um, last year. This is a new take on, um, well, I don't know what kind of take this is on Supergirl because we got Supergirl on TV. We have the digital version comic book of Supergirl. Which is the Supergirl on TV. Which is the Supergirl on TV. Then there was another digital only Supergirl that uh, Ashley Victoria Robinson and I had talked about uh, before. Mm-hmm. Then there's a regular ongoing, or is this the new regular ongoing Supergirl that has nothing to do with that, or is this something else altogether? This is the new 52 Angry Diaper Supergirl. What do you mean in Angry her, Diaper Supergirl? Because she was angry and wore a diaper. The character who uh, came in. she wore a diaper. I like those big shorts. Yeah. In 2011, when they relaunched and they had the Supergirl with the sharp S on her chest, who was all, I'm angry. I was, mm-hmm. I'm now I'm a red lantern and I hate everybody. This is her. Okay. But with heavy overtones of the television series. Well, I don't know. I can't finish a sentence. <clears throat> no. At this point, they have actually taken a lot of the elements of the TV show and they have brought them into the new 52 reality. The reason that I know this is the Supergirl who showed up in the new 52 is they show her arrival on Earth in that new 52 costume with the open knees and the sharp edges and everything. And we get a little bit of a flashback of her on Krypton. Mm -hmm. And then we see her new life. And this is the thing. There are things about this that are bothersome. Uh, She is now living in National City under the name Kara Danvers or Kara, I presume, because people pronounce it that way and it makes me mad. And she is ostensibly 16 years old. So she is a high school junior living with Jeremiah Danvers and his wife, whose name escapes me, who are basically. (laughs) Yeah, it's Helen. Helen Slater. Helen Slater. Thank you. His wife, Helen Slater. But this is an admirable attempt to make what could be contradictory continuities work together. Basically, she's been on Earth for a while now. She grew up enough on Krypton to remember being on Krypton. But she's having trouble fitting in on Earth with a brown wig and glasses. And she's also working for the DEO under Cameron Chase. And Cameron Chase is even more of a jerk than Hank Henshaw is in the television show and refuses to let her you know, get away with anything and go off and do missions on her own. So it really is an attempt to bring the comic continuity in line with what you're going to see on TV, mm-hmm. which I'm all for, except for the fact that she's basically a, a full 10 years younger than the TV version of Supergirl. Cat uh, Grant appears in these pages, a very Callista Flockhart, uh, flippy, angry, Ooh. derisive Cat Grant. So we're going to see more of uh, Callista Flockhart, Cat Grant in the comic books than we are on the TV show. Nice. Mm, possibly. In any case, this is a really strong start for what could have been a difficult proposition. And by that, I mean, they managed to convince me that, okay, this could be the same character. She's now changed. She's warming to her life on Earth. She has a secret identity. She's getting used to all of this stuff, but she still remembers her life on Krypton. And the age issue is only really a problem for me because I'm a huge fan of the TV show. 
I really like the the uh, you know the CW mid twenties vibe of that. So it is a little bit difficult to have those same elements in play in a different continuity. But you know, if I was angry about that, I'd spend all my time ranting at comics because new versions of the old continuity with slight changes are kind of the gist and kind of the point of rebirth. This issue also ends with a big, uh, big reveal of scary scariness, and that is the return of Cyborg Superman. Which, if I'm not mistaken, spoiler alert, Mm -hmm. isn't that her father? Yes, Cyborg Superman in this continuity is Zor-El. For some reason, I I could have swore that they wrapped up that story arc already. Didn't they kill Cyborg Superman? Didn't uh, Superman and his son take him down? Oh, ah, I'm so confused. DC Comics. Well, he's clearly not dead. Obviously, Nobody he's a cyborg. I mean, you never can kill Terminator. But you know what? For the first time in the 25-year history of Cyborg Superman, there is a legitimate viable reason for him to look like Kal-El. Mm-hmm. Because the old one was just, ah, uh, because it's a cool visual. Because we want to trick you. And also because right. they can't really use Hank Henshaw without confusing people completely well hank henshaw isn't cyborg superman i haven't seen hank henshaw in the new 52 that's, that's what i'm saying if they brought him back as hank Hinsh- henshaw cyborg superman it would have totally threw people because isn't he supposed to be isn't hank henshaw supposed to be martian manhunter hank henshaw on tv is one of the martian manhunters identities yes. yeah 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 that's what i'm saying that's what that's why i think they they went this direction instead of uh the original no oh. I can't really speak to all that. I, I haven't seen anything with uh, either Zor-El or Cyborg Superman in it. I haven't been a regular reader of the super titles, but I can tell you that this is a book that I'm interested in seeing more of. Cool. And I really want to see a little bit more of this version of Kara because I can pronounce it Kara and no one will correct me. And more importantly, there's a scene in here where she saves a runaway train in National City, which was very early on in season one of Supergirl kind of a big giant hero moment. So I think they are well aware of the problems that they're dealing with here and the issues of trying to streamline these two storylines together. And I kind of feel like I'm in good hands as far as knowing that they're going to get away with that, knowing how to do that in such a way that if you have been watching the show, obviously they are going to see these overtones. You're going to see these nods. You're going to see these issues but you're not going to have problems with it. Steve Orlando does really good scripting. Um, I am on the fence about Brian Ching's art for a couple of reasons. Um, It's a little bit, it feels a little bit unfinished lines, kind of a, a, a very loose, in some cases, scratchy outline. And the characters do look super young. Everybody looks super young. Supergirl is supposed to be 16. She looks about 14. Mm. Her parents look to be about 20. But again, I'm old. And, you know, it's a stylistic choice. And I feel like maybe this is a, an artist who's going to grow into that and, and, and maybe get a little bit more consistent in the way that we're seeing these characters portrayed. And I'm I'm fine with that. I can give it time. It's not like a lack of skill. It's more uh, an aesthetic decision that I'm not sure why it's happening. So if you've seen the covers with uh, oh, the, the big eyed cool Supergirl. Oh, the cover yeah. is brilliant. The, um, the variant cover where she's flying upside down. Right. Oh my gosh. That looks freaking fantastic. Yeah. 
So, and the costume has some adjustments to make it look more like, uh, like uh, Melissa Benoist's costume on TV, which is good because yeah. it's, it's one of the best Supergirl costumes, and mm-hmm. there have been a lot of them, and most of them are awful. So I'm going to go with three slices of meatloaf for Supergirl number one. It's an interesting new start, and it's aware of what it's doing, which is not always something that happens when you're dealing with how do we make this more like the popular TV movie, whatever whatever it is we have to tie into, you know, where you have a, a Superman story where Superman is good and kind on the inside and on the outside, we have a Henry Cavill murdering everybody variant. So mm-hmm. what are you going to do? Um, is the, is the age that big of a deal? I mean, in how Supergirl is portrayed in the comics, do you think? Well, she's in high school. Yeah. And her primary interactions are going to be in high school. So, it depends on what you mean by that big. Well, of a I mean, deal. you said that she looks like she's fourteen. She's supposed to be sixteen. She looks younger than the way they're portraying oh, her. Okay. I guess that's what I'm saying. I look at this and I don't necessarily think this is a high school junior. I think we're, you know, well. And again, I have a tall child, but I think you know this looks like my kid. My kid's what twelve, twelve. So yeah, she looks twelve, hmm. which is bad because that's the general number that I use to make fun of people who are younger than me, like Zach and. Uh, Ashley. So I was, I was, um, in my bathroom, I have a reproduction of, I forget what issue of Spider-Man it is, but Spider-Man's fighting Hulk, um, Mm -hmm. on the cover. And they're like way up on a tall building and Hulk ripping off part of the building. I was looking at that today. And for whatever reason, more 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 could you you want, more could you want, the more you could want, uh, or more could you ask for, or what is it? No, it's really (laughs) what more could you, not what more could you want, but it's like, it's not even what more could you ask for. Yeah. It's a it's, really it weird, says, but it's an it actual says, cover. Yeah. It says more you could ask for, I yeah. think is what it says. Yes. <laughs> and I forget what cover that is, but I was looking at that. Um, and I was looking at Spider-Man. I was like, you know, that doesn't look like a teenage Peter Parker. That doesn't look like a high school Peter Parker. Uh-huh. It looks like someone who is maybe 25, 26 in, in the way that the body is built and everything. It looks like someone who is bulkier and older. By the time Spider-Man, let's just say, let's use issue 100 uh, for reference. How old would Spider-Man have been by the time it hit Spider-Man 100? Yeah, so see, he's even kind of... He would have been in college. Yeah, maybe... If if you're talking about the issue I think you're talking about, you're talking about Amazing Spider-Man number 120, uh, which was a 20-cent issue, so probably came out somewhere in 1971, 72. What number? Number 120. Let me see if that's it. Hulk has got a big chunk yep. in his hand yep, and Spider-Man's it. leaping off. Yep, it's that's a, it. Ross that's Andrew, it. I think. Yeah, that's it. Holy crap. Yeah. They're selling that thing for 228 bucks online. I got it for what? like the bronze bucks. age Spider-Man dude. Well, no, not the, not the original issue, a canvas print of that cover. Oh, the poster's under yeah, the poster is like 228. Oh no, bucks. that, that they're hosing you dude. No, I got mine really cheap, but, uh, yeah, he looks like he's an, it doesn't look like. It looks like a grad school Spider-Man in that. And that's why I was wondering, you know, if, if we can allow Spider-Man, a teenage Peter Parker, to look mm-hmm. like he's in his 20s, is it okay for a 16-year-old to maybe look a little younger than, than that? I don't know. Well, he would, have been, he would have been in college by that point. 120 is right before Gwen died, which would put it in Peter's sophomore year at ESU. So, eh, I don't know. Again, okay. it's, it's one of those things that everyone in the book looked young and maybe that's you know thin necks and big eyes mm-hmm. you know which is an in, an aesthetic decision on the part of the artist and i'm fine with that 
you know, Umberto Ramos does that. You have even, you know, I, I love Mike Allred and Mike Allred has some things that he does every time he draws that really do distress some people. So, right. I don't know. I felt it, but maybe four or five issues into it when I'm really into the aesthetic and there's a consistency of, I know what to expect every month. Maybe, you know, maybe Mm -hmm. you're right. It's not going to be an issue. Uh, this week, uh, coming out this week from DC comics is Gotham Academy. Second semester. Number one, uh, yeah, got ham, got ham Academy. Um, this is the story of the holiday break between the, the winter holiday break and poor olive because she doesn't have family. Uh, basically stays at the academy while it's closed, while all of her friends go home to spend time with family. And she's having Aww. a really tough time of it. She's hanging out with the superintendent of the school, the or the female uh, um, academy lady. I forget what her name is, the the Irish woman or the Scottish woman. And um, and as you do when you're a kid at this age and you're impressionable, mm-hmm. you may sometimes get mixed up with the wrong crowd for the wrong reasons. And a new girl appears, and I think she's going to be regular, but she is troublemaker from panel one. She is your the worst person you could ever want. Uh, she's been kicked out of previous schools all over the country, and now she's been sent here to get straightened out. And all she wants to do is cause. Uh, destruction and uh, chaos. And she convinces Olive to break into this uh, art museum that's on campus that used to be this uh, old house. And while they're in there, the girl's just like destroying artifacts and stuff. She doesn't care. She's a rebel, right? She This is how rebels act. And unfortunately, she kind of draws Olive into the dark side a little bit until she does, until the, the new girl does something that kind of puts another kid in danger uh, who's also there over the holiday break. And Olive kind of decides that maybe this isn't the person I should be hanging around, uh, which is kind of a good thing because the next day uh, all the kids come back from their holiday break. And so she's with her friends again. But this new troublemaker is her going to be her roommate in the second semester. And I think there are going to be some problems with that. Uh-oh. It is a very nice little touching tale. I love everything that Carl Kershaw and Becky Clunan and Brendan Fletcher bring to the tale. The art by Sandra Hope and Adam Archer are, is fantastic, as always. The coloring. Oh, I love the coloring in this book. I love the layouts of this. I just love the idea of Gotham Academy being, Academy being this very gothic-looking place where kids are running around and a bunch of ne'er-do-wells are also uh, next door. They kind of set up a little bit of the mystery for this uh, second arc or this new uh, this new arc that's going on to the second semester. Uh, again, uh, Arkham Academy or the uh, Arkham Asylum pops up a couple of times as far as hidden mm. clues. Uh, so this is a book to pick up. I mean, in this new fit, not new 52, in this rebirth era of comics, Gotham Academy isn't seeing any changes and it's moving ahead. So if you're you're holding on to the adventures of Olive and her friends. I really say pick up Gotham Academy second semester number one. It's out this week from DC Comics. I'm giving it four and a half slices out of meatloaf. I thought it was really, really good. And it is definitely worth your time if you like that kind of thing. And I think if you like Supergirl number one, Matthew, I think you'll like Gotham Academy second semester as well. Cool. Yeah. Uh, Rodrigo, what are are you taking a look at? What is this thing? Uh, So this is Carriers. Uh, from Pilot Studios, okay. which is oh, those are those are cute dogs. The carry, which is uh, yeah, it's an indie thing. Um, so Carriers is a team of pigeons. Ah, okay. That are outfitted with armor and weapons, mm-hmm. 
and they have adventures. Okay. Like anthropomorphic or? Nope. Nope. Non-anthropomorphized pigeons, except for the fact that they talk and, you know, have sort of expressions and stuff, but mm-hmm. they're, they have pigeon bodies and fly around and stuff. Like you do. Yeah. Like you do when you're a pigeon. Yeah. Uh, it is, I will say just right off the bat. Um, I have a, I kind of have a beef with the solicitation because it's, it says carriers is a comedic and action packed new teen plus comic about weaponized carrier pigeons. There's nothing really comedic in this issue. It is actually mostly graphic violence. Oh no. <laughs> uh, so I took a look at carriers, uh, watchers in the night, which is, uh, are uh, titular pigeons going up against a team of also supercharged owls? So there, are, um, so there are people here that are weaponizing these these birds, right? I guess. Or is this like uh, the owls of Huli Hu or whatever it is? No, I think I think there's like an actual human that is like helping the pigeons, but I think the owls make their own weaponry. Oh, okay. Um, there's also a third faction who are hawks and basically the owls and the hawks have it out for each other. And mostly the, uh, the action in this comic revolves around the fact that the owls are just dispensing justice, (laughs) uh, (laughs) and killing the hawks and the pigeons are like, no, don't kill them. You don't have to kill people. And that's kind of what this is, uh, this is about. Um, the art is really interesting. It's like it's it's really weird there are times it's like kind of like this weird yo-yo effect where it's like you get into it and you're like following it and then like the art is going along with it these are like kind of like cyberized you know birds with like weaponry and armor and stuff and sometimes there'll be a panel that just really takes you out of it where it's like this is a a pigeon wearing a domino mask you know <laughs> and it's just like <laughs> You know, which which is just like a, a part of the thing. It, it's also like really weird because there are moments in the in the book where I think the artist is trying to give you a little bit more perspective. Where uh-huh. it's just like this is where this is happening. It's like these pigeons and these owls just like having like a bloody, dangerous, deadly fight, and it pulls out to a street. And they're just like flying above a building and the street, like there's people on the street and nobody cares. Like, so it's just like, maybe that's, I don't think they meant to. This is weird because I'm looking through it right now. It's really weird. It is. It's super weird. It's like, it kind of has this tinge of like European comics Mm -hmm. or uh, Latin American comics, you know, where like, they're just like, well, all everybody's a duck. And it's like, why is everybody a duck? And it's like, no reason. Everybody's a duck. This is a serious superhero book, but everyone's a duck. It, this is kind of like that. It's like, you know, it's not, they're not anthropomorphized. I mean, they are in a sense, but they're still birds that mm-hmm. do bird things. And there's still people um, doing people things. Yeah. But it's like, yeah, all the protagonists are pigeons and they're kind of like uh, uh, this strike team. Uh, but it's not very clear why they are a strike team. But I did just, you know, it, it seems that there are prior issues to this. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just every issue is supposed to be kind of a standalone thing. Right. But um, it kind of expects you to already know stuff. 
uh, there's uh, kind of an introductory page that is like, this is who the characters are. Um, I will say that uh, if if you have an indie book that is trying to get off the ground, it is a ballsy move to open with a Watchmen reference. Yes, I see that. <laughs> yep. I mean, you want to... Cajones, man. Yeah, you wanna you wanna set yourself up, then definitely go with that thing that changed the direction of comics forever. Um, But you know, I mean, it it makes sense within the context of the story. It's funny that they're watching the movie. Mm -hmm. It's I I don't know if that's layered or if it's just like, well, these guys wouldn't read. They're watching a movie. They're like little, <laughs> little pigeons watching a movie. Yeah, but they're uh, one of them saying, oh, man, that owl is pretty tough. And is that a reference to the, the owls that they're fighting? I think, well, they, they meet the owls after that. Oh, okay. So I think oh. it's it's foreshadowing of sorts. Yeah, yeah. What a um, weird book. I mean, I mean, weird as I, in not like bad, but just weird yeah, as in what a concept. Yeah, it's. You know, we've seen stuff like this before. You mentioned the the owls of Gahulihulihu. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, Valiant. You guys remember Valiant? That yeah, um, about pigeons in World War Two. Mm-hmm. Um, so we have seen stuff like this before, um, but it's rare. And this book just like. It's like if if you have like your valiance and your rats of Nim and all that stuff and that kind of sets a line, this book kind of jumps way past it and is like, nope, we're gonna be over here. That's not necessarily a bad thing. Uh, it's just unusual. It's just like not something that we're used to. Everything's really weird and it's hard to kind of get a grip on it at times. So it's because it's like are all animals like this? Like if they ever caught to a dog, is it going to have like tank treads? You know, mm-hmm. like it's just kind of like, Oh, dog tell tank. Me. Yeah. It's like, what is happening here? Um, did you get a chance but, to, they also have another one called pirate Bay. They, yeah. I haven't, I haven't seen that one. It's kind of, I the wonder same if same thing. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's, I it's wonder modern times, one, but these seagulls are pirates. Right. Right. Okay. Just like, it is just like, Wow. It's so weird. It's so weird. There's like nothing really to like it's compare not even, it to. It's like not even like Teenage to. Mutant Ninja Turtles. It's not even like right, that. Right. It's just like these animals are just like that. And they have like this mythology and it's like owls mm-hmm. and hawks or falcons or whatever have always had oh, this wow. treaty. And then the treaty was broken. And it's like there's like owls wearing hats in it. And it's mm-hmm. like, do owls wear hats in this world? Like if, if you're a human, do you look up? And it's like, oh, that owl's wearing a hat. Here, here in this pirate one, they're all wearing pirate garb. And the one that's in the one that you read, the the superhero guy with the domino mask, mm-hmm. he's actually like using a computer and watching a computer monitor. And April O'Neil uh, is on one of the monitors. So it is kind yeah. of, maybe, yeah, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. There's giant lizard men running around. This stuff's yeah. weird, man. It is. It's just weird stuff. And it's not bad. No. It's just like, I, I don't know. I feel like when you read something like Mouse Guard, Mm-hmm. Or a book like that, they spend a certain amount of time being like this. These are the rules. Mice can do this, but snakes mm-hmm. can't. You know, weasels are like this sort of, but also different. You know, it's like, but this book just kind of drops you into it. 
Um, and maybe I was supposed to have read prior issues, um, but I just they kind of they kind of said that each issue was kind of a standalone thing. So I was like, okay. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just like, even, I mean, even there is an explanation at the front, but it's like, these are guys that are having adventures and this guy helps them. And it's like, yeah, but that tells me. <laughs> Maybe it's one of those little. things that's just like, go for it. Just, you know, no, it is. It is. I it. mean, it really is. And it's like, they're, and that's the thing is like, they're telling such a serious story mm-hmm. and it's just like this serious story about the implications of like, uh, like vigilante justice. Yeah. Yeah. And then you flip the page and one of them is like this owl with like, like wearing goggles and it's like, it's, it's so hard to stay in it because of it. (laughs) It's just like really weird. It's interesting. It's not bad. The art is good. You know, I'm going to, I'm going to give it three slices of meatloaf. There's like, there's nothing is like, nothing's bad about it. It's just so hard to get a grip on it. It's just a weird con. It's a, it's a super, super weird concept. It is. I think it, I think it might pay off. I mean, I was like I said, I'm flipping through the Pirate Bay one, and it's again, it feels somewhat like Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. More animals are wearing clothes than I mean. There's a cow on the dock that's wearing like a suit. I guess, but they're yeah, walking yeah. around. Cows like, wear suits. Yeah, I, I guess. Owls wear graduation suit. caps. Burn suit. All right, uh, you can check out more reviews over at Majorspoilers.com. Thank you, Rodrigo, and thank you, Matthew, for your uh, reviews this week. Always fascinating stuff in the comic book pages. Always something cool out there. And, yeah. um, you know, I mentioned Boom Comics. There is probably a comic book shop in your region. I wouldn't say in your city, but there's probably a comic book shop in your region. And uh, you should probably visit it. Uh, or if you definitely yeah. don't want to have one in your region, uh, definitely check out the digital versions over at comicsology.com. And if you're looking for stuff to read, I mean, we try to cover... And give coverage to everyone, not just, I mean, we were kind of DC heavy this week, but not just to yeah. the big two, but we try to spread the love around to everybody. And uh, Pilot, what is it? Pilot However Studios? gross that may sound. Is it uh, Pilot Studios is, uh, did this one? Yeah. So yeah. even indie, indie publishers we will take a look at. So uh, there you go. Check it out. Majorspoilers.com. Of course, you're listening to this podcast and you already know that. But if this is your first time, welcome. Glad to have you here. Thanks for sticking around this long. By the time we oh, get done with you? our reviews, another thing that we like to do is we like to do something called the Major Spoilers Poll of the Week. Poll of the Week, 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 week. So I, uh, it's a little bit cooler today. Oh. High today, <laughs> high today was only 61 degrees. Now I'm sure it's much cooler up there wow. in the Seattles where you're at, uh, Rodrigo. It was hotter uh, than that either. It's about that. It's it's a little cooler, but not too much. Yeah. Oh no, Matthew. It'll be at least that cool tomorrow for you if it's if it's moving uh, eastward. Yeah. It was it was like eighty this afternoon. I nearly died. I uh, I had to put on a pullover, and walking outside, walking around, felt like it was fall, even though technically it is still summer. Which brings mm-hmm. us to the poll of this week, which is kind of a modification that one of our um, uh, VIPs, one of our listeners, sent to us. One of our patrons. I don't know if he's switched over to Patreon or not, but Patreon.com/slash Major Spoilers. Uh, he wanted to know what, what did we think was the, uh, uh, the start of summer, but seeing how he sent that months ago and I'm just getting around to it, I figured we'd <laughs> modify it a little bit and say, what do you consider the end of summer for you? Now, some, and again, some people might say it's when school starts back up, but you know, school starts back up so differently for so many people here. It starts up about the, uh, the first or second week in August. Some people don't start until well after Labor Day. Some people don't start until like the 
the second or third week into September. So it really varies there for people, about a month. Some people will point to Labor Day, the Labor Day holiday, because, uh, you know, if we have Memorial Day that quote unquote kicks off summer, Labor Day closes out summer. And some people are like uh, the fall equinox on September 22nd this year is when fall begins and summer ends. What, what do you do as the, for the mark of the end of summer, Matthew? Well, I'm a big believer of, in the Phil Connors method. I don't know if you guys have seen the movie Groundhog Day. No, where so. uh, no. Groundhog Day basically takes place on February 2nd. And the oh, whole that's gig is not that. Summer. Yeah, but stay with me. Okay. The whole thing is that people keep asking him whether he thinks that the groundhog will see his shadow and there'll be six more weeks of winter. And guys are constantly asking him, well, you think we'll have an early spring? And he's like, well, I'm predicting February 22nd. It's a douche move, but. I have to go with the point where the calendar says it's officially fall for two reasons. One, Phil Connors is played by Bill Murray and Bill Murray was cool. And two, otherwise it doesn't make sense. I used to work Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and then a Monday morning shift. And all of my coworkers were like, Hey, it's your Friday. I'm like, no, no, it's Monday. It will remain Monday because if I treat it like Friday, it'll still be Monday. And then I won't get to the bank tomorrow because I'll think it's Saturday. <sighs> so I go by what the calendar tells me, because if we don't have some sort of shared reference point, what's the point of even calling them seasons? I mean, we could call it Gewürztemp. So I always go with the vernal equinox, the fall equinox, not the vernal equinox. Is it? No. No, no it's the, the autumnal, 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 autumnal equinox. equinox. See, September autumnal. the 22nd, basically. Yeah. I went with that, too, so, because uh, years ago I was in science class. This is like high school. And I was like, hey, yo, Mr. Teacher Man, let's go cook some crack. No, uh, I was like, hey, man, I heard that you can. uh, uh, I heard that you can balance an egg on its end during the equinox. And he's like, no, that's just a that's just a a myth, you know. And I was was like, well, can we try it? And he's like, I guess if you want to waste time. I got a lecture to talk about mitochondrials, the uh, DNAs and stuff. And fortunately, the, the kitchen cafeteria was right across the, uh, the hallway from us. So I just ran over real quick and said, hey, can I get a couple of eggs? And they're looking at me weird, like, what are you going to do with this? And it's a science experiment. She's like, OK, so we got a couple of eggs and we let them kind of warm up during the class time while we listen to uh, the powerhouse of your, your cells. And um, towards the end of class, right around the time, right around the exact time that the equinox was occurring, we started to see if we could balance the eggs up on their ends. And sure enough, you can do it. And even my science teacher was kind of blown away. And it stayed there for a few days. And as, as the days went on, you could see the egg eggs, because several people had done it. You could see them starting to kind of lean a little bit. And I don't know if that is, has to do with anything having to do with the rotation of the earth or whatever, but it's just really weird. And I've always looked at the autumnal and the, uh, what is the spring equinox? Uh, vernal. Vernal equinox. Oh. I've always looked at those as that is the start of something really interesting. And uh, of course, I don't balance eggs on their end anymore, but I do go around on the first day of fall. I go around in the house. I've been doing this for a couple of years now and I decorate, I redecorate the house for fall. And so I, all the, all the summer decorations come down, all the plants and all that stuff go down and get put away for another year. And then I get all the fall decorations out. So when everyone comes home at the end of the day, it's the house smells of, of pumpkin spice lattes and uh, they got the fall colors going on. 
And that is the, the start of fall for me, at least. Rodrigo, how do you sit on this? Well, definitely for the longest time, I measured the end of summer sort of by when school starts. For me, <laughs> the end of summer was when football season starts, right. which actually starts before school actually starts, mm -hmm. uh, especially in Kansas. Uh, so fall, for, basically summer ends when my job clicked over to from like doing a uh like doing live pledge to going out and shooting football every day that that was the start of fall for me um but now that i don't do that anymore uh it's probably gonna be labor day because we my current job is very tied to when people clean their houses Mm -hmm. so mm -hmm. because it's like there's all these donations involved yeah. so they start cleaning them at um what like memorial day and then you know while the weather is nice because here it, it rains for the majority of the year but the summers are pretty dry so uh it's just furniture season <laughs> like people bringing <laughs> stuff out of their houses and uh, dropping them off as donations um, so I'm hoping that now that Labor Day has passed, that'll that'll die down a little bit. But but we'll just have to see. It is weird, though. Summer clothes start coming in. All the bathing suits will come in. Yeah. For for the sake of simplicity, I always think of the seasons as three months. Right. Mm -hmm. So there's three summer months, three winter months and, and so on and so forth. And really, it, it was weird because on it had been like 90 degrees, 80 degrees. 80 degree days 70 degree days and then on september 1st it just dropped yeah. like the temperature just had this huge drop so it's like somebody was like oh oh no it's supposed to be fall and like <laughs> just like flip the giant switch i should have been i should have been mean and put in when the first pumpkin spice latte ads appear because those just happened like last week i saw them popping up on twitter and starbucks and other places well you know and and things yeah. get earlier and earlier. Mm -hmm. I mean, we're already seeing oh, uh, basically, yeah. yeah Halloween well, ha stuff, Halloween yeah. definitely. Oh, Halloween's I mean, out on our store. They've got the Christmas. The Christmas aisles are already set up. Yeah. So, yeah, it's it, you can't go by the marketing calendar because mm -hmm. that one, since they're always trying to beat the 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 rush, that one it just keeps getting earlier and earlier and earlier. And eventually, it's just going to be completely out of phase, kind of like our actual calendar is with yeah. the Earth. Yes, yes. Right now, it definitely is. Uh, has, is there a pumpkin spice incense that you can burn? Mm -hmm. If there's not, I mean, they're really that's a billion dollar idea right there. You want to have to try. Uh, I'm I'm the sure there is candles it, too. It might not be called pumpkin spice because the pumpkin spice is um, nutmeg, right? Yeah. I mean, right. Pumpkin, your pumpkin spice latte contains zero pumpkin. It's the, that flavor is basically nutmeg, cinnamon, and a couple other things, um, and that's that so that flavor, time. that kind of like uh, that pumpkin pie kind of flavor. Yeah, um, that's where it comes from. So there probably are nutmeg scented candles, and if you put one on, it'll probably smell yeah. like a latte. I've got a, I've got yeah. a week to find some, so uh, there we go. Because uh, basically, go to the next Yankee week. Candle Store. They have everything. They don't have any Yankee candles here. Yeah, okay, no damn Yankee candles. And go to the Yankee candles. <laughs> I was store. in civilization last week. It wasn't impressive. Uh, damn, yeah, except for the comic shop candles. that you just spent ten minutes gushing over. Yeah, yeah no, it was that Our was the only that was burning. the only cool thing. But the rest of society, bah, I could do without it. Especially all that stupid traffic. Why don't you get people to do their cities when it's when people aren't around, Matthew? That's why they do it in the summer. Yeah, well, that's when everybody's around. 
All right, summer's about to come to an end, Matthew, and when does everyone say summer is coming to an end for them? Oh, whopping 51% say the fall equinox. Good going, people who know uh, literal is the best way to answer. 37% saying when school starts, 12% saying Labor Day. Um, I don't know about Labor Day. I've never considered Labor Day to be autumn. I think Labor people, Day is still like fall. I think people look at it as the symbolic end of summer. Because like sort said, of a that's, gateway. Yeah, because well, that's, that's again, that's it, it has to, it ties into when school starts uh, back up. Yeah. And uh, again, it's the you've got the Memorial Day vacation at the beginning and the and the uh, Labor Day at the end. And all the marketing, as Rodrigo was talking about, pushes right. these big sales and all the events that take place between these two bookend weekends of, of the right. quote unquote season. And I think that's why people take a look at it as the as the end of summer. And I'm totally OK with that. Yeah. But balancing eggs. I know. I know that it's the end of summer when uh, I have to go wake up Billy Joe because, you know, September. Yeah. Poor Billy Joe. He's still asleep. I thought Um, he jumped off the bridge. No, that's Billy Joe McAllister. Oh, okay. It's his cousin. Mm. Um, Yeah. People have always done that. I mean, the thing is like people do try to like lump stuff together. They're like, okay, so we would have one more week of fall but Labor Day is just so convenient mm-hmm. to just mm-hmm. say, like, here's the end, right? And people have always been hitching holidays to the equinoxes and the uh, the solstices. I mean, mm-hmm. there is, like, a major Christian holiday that basically goes with every solstice and equinox, except for the summer one. Oh, yeah, because right. they have to uh, put down those pagans and their crazy rituals. Well, there's plenty of pagans ones as well. Like, you know... Right. It's just like a, a very convenient thing to do it right smack in the middle of a season or mm-hmm. right as the seasons are changing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. 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 Because then right. you have you have a visual signifier when it happens. Listeners right. new and old, please head over to Majorspoilers.com. Cast your vote in the Major Spoilers poll of the week and share your thoughts on why you consider one of those choices your, uh, your pick. And uh, we love reading them, and uh, so does everyone else. So get over there, Majorspoilers.com. <laughs> yeah. If you're looking for a great way to hear... Uh, your audio now, depending on if you get on, I don't know what uh, tweaked audio is going to be doing with the new iPhone seven, but I'm sure they're going to come up with a fantastic solution because these guys, this company puts out some great earphones, fantastic sound, fantastic quality. Tweakedaudio.com sponsoring this episode of the major spoilers podcast. When you head over to tweaked audio, use the checkout code major M A J O R. And you're going to get 33% off the price. Hey, we're already into the fall season as we were just talking about. You've got Halloween coming up. You got Thanksgiving gifts that you have to prepare for people. And then right on top of that is uh, is uh, Christmas and the big holiday shopping season. Then get your shopping done early. Go over to tweakedaudio.com slash, uh, well, just tweakedaudio.com. Use the checkout code MAJOR. Save 33%. Get all your holiday shopping done in one place, one time. And uh, everyone will thank you for that gift of tweaked audio headphones, earbuds. Hey, Steven. Cool stuff. Yes. Did you did you know that Tweaked Audio sells apparel? Yeah, they do. They sell a lot of stuff over there. Ooh, what what yeah, are you, you, can, you can, There's like an actual Tweaked Audio T-shirt, and it's got like a, a, a an Earth with like headphones. Oh, cool! Nice. Yeah, it's cute. They also have uh, bags and accessories and replacement buds and all sorts of things uh, that you can get. Uh, I have a uh, uh, I've got one of those little day packs. I can just throw things in if I'm I'm going to take my son to soccer or something. Uh-huh. So uh, it's all good stuff over there at Tweaked Audio. I'm glad that they are a longtime sponsor of uh, Majorspoilers.com. You can even get some Tweaked Audio stickers. I think they still throw in stickers when you place an order. Nice. Uh, so go over and check them out. They're good people. 
tweakedaudio.com. They stand behind all their products, too. That's the nice thing. If it breaks, let them know. They'll replace it. Uh, oh, you know what happened last week? What's that? Apparently, it was the 50th anniversary of the first American, I should say, United States of America broadcast of uh, the first Star Trek episode. Mm-hmm. Apparently, apparently the uh, the Canadians either got it the week before or the day before or something. But the Star Canadians. Trek. 50 years. So 50 I thought, years. 50 years. So I thought this week we could take a look at a comic book series that, or at least the first volume, mm-hmm. the Gold Key Archives of Star <laughs> Trek. If you have never read this, ladies and gentlemen, you are in for a flippy, trippy treat. Star yes. Trek, the Gold Key Archives. Now, I didn't know that these comic books existed until I was probably 10, 11 years old. Yeah. And I lived out in the country, so I didn't really have access to comic books, comic book stores, anything like that. My my friend lived about a mile away, lived out in the country on the farm. And he and I were you know friends growing up until you hit high school and you actually get a car and then you can leave that nerd alone and go do your own thing. Right. Um, but he came over one day and he's like, check this out. And he had this big, fat book. That was a Star Trek comic. And it was like, I don't know. I think it was 12 issues in that one. I don't, I don't think it was six. The, the Enterprise logs, I think, were 10 or 12. You're right. Yeah. It was big. But I yeah, looked at this. Yeah, those came out was, in 77, 76, 77, I think. Yeah, he had that for a while. And it was probably, eh, it may have been 78, 79, somewhere around there. Because I remember I was young. Yeah. And I was just blown away by this thing. And he had it. We were reading it. And he was, I mean, he was not a comic book person. But he treasured that book. And I was like, can I borrow that book for a couple of days? And I'd keep it for like a couple of weeks. And then he'd call and say, can I have that back? And then he'd have it for a while. And then about six months later, I'd get the itch to read some more crazy adventures of uh, the Star Trek crew that looks nothing like. And we'll talk about this in a moment. Looks nothing like (laughs) the Enterprise crew that you saw on the television series. But I just love flipping through it because the adventures were crazy. The dialogue was crazy. The art was Mm -hmm. crazy. But, oh, it was yeah. something good about the Gold Key Star Trek. Well, and there, honestly, Gold Key Star Trek is more Gold Key than it ever is Star Trek. Interesting. And, I mean, yeah, there's a, there's a Gold Key house style. And if you ever read Gold Key's other uh, adaptations, they did uh, Journey to the Bottom of the Sea. They did uh, Sea Hunt with Lloyd Bridges. Forever they had a Twilight Zone book. The Twilight Zone book outlasted the Twilight Zone show by a good 19 years. Mm-hmm. And they had their own staff of guys who would write these stories that, as we see in these issues, bear little to no resemblance. Well, so my, Star understanding, Trek my understanding is even though the book came out in uh, or the show kicked off in 1966, mm-hmm. that um, Drake, the, uh, the writer, Arnold Drake had never seen an episode. And in fact, they had started production of these. It's kind of like the Star Wars comics, right? Uh Where they had kind of started production of these comics before the episodes had really caught on. And certainly Drake had never watched any of the episodes. And then all of the art were done by these Italian guys who weren't even in the United States Star Trek. I don't even know what this is. And because they'd not seen the show or not had read anything about Star Trek, especially for the artists, they were just shipped a bunch of like headshots and set mm-hmm. pictures, and they're like, here you go, draw us a comic. And so, it's, and, it, and it's, it's a comic, well. they, they drew a comic, uh, but it I does explain say, all the, uh, it does explain all the green sweaters. Yes. yes. 
How everybody wears green sweaters. And of course, in, in issue two, we get Kirk's wonderful, memorable catchphrase, Howling Comets. Oh, yeah. man, this this thing is full of, of but uh, boy, great can things. They, can they draw the hell out of that Enterprise or what? Oh, man. I mean, uh, again, there are so many inaccuracies between the TV and the, the comic book, you know, like the Enterprise entering the atmosphere so it can do stuff. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, we and see that. the rockets coming out of the back of the nacelles. Right, 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 right. And uh, uh, just but the, the transport, what is great. it called? The teleportation room. The teleportation room where you keep the teleporter. Yes. Uh, and Janice, Janice Rand is wearing a hat throughout issue one, which I think, which I'm pretty sure in, is like, Janice Rand's hair. Nice. They it, just colored it. Yeah, yeah they, they just, just colored, colored it red. But I couldn't remember if in one episode she was actually wearing a hat like that. Wasn't she doing that in like the pilot episode or something? I don't remember. If she, I don't think Janice Rand was in the pilot episode if we're talking about the same pilot episode. Maybe. Uh, yeah, maybe. I don't Where know. Where No Man I, but, Has Gone Before had Sally Kellerman, but I don't think it had Janice Rand. But that that hat on her head was so influential that, that I always thought of her that way, that she's the one wearing the, the hat in this. Mm. Um, I'm just trying to, I'm just trying to get back to the first issue because, you know, mm-hmm. here the, here's the mission. What is, what is Starfleet's mission there, Rodrigo? <laughs> to discover whether there is life in this planet full of trees. To seek out new life and new civilization, right? And so, so what do they do in the, so what do they do in the first issue? Oh my gosh, here's a planet that's uh that creates spores and turns uh living things into these plant things. We must yep. decimate the entire planet, yes. nuke it from it space the, and let, let nothing live. The the least Star Trek moment ever anywhere in Star Trek is they destroy an entire <laughs> habited planet full of creatures. Yeah. And they're like, well, we will destroy them with our laser banks so that we can protect the rest of the universe. And I'm like, they could not have chosen a better <laughs> non Star Trek moment to open this Star Trek comic. And, and not, so, only, not like, only do you see them nuking it from orbit, but you also see a shot of the enterprise flying over the surface, shooting out its laser beams and the earth all caught on fire. And these tree people running around on fire. No, I mean, talk <laughs> about tree people talk about, well, I mean, Give everybody's got to eat something. They're cannibal tree people. Well, we eat, so they're we bad. eat plants. This was just like a weird uh, tri- Twilight Zone episode of imagine a world where instead of people eating plants, the plants eat the people. Oh, I, Dr. Other... McCoy in his, in his uh, iconic yellow suit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and, and James Kirk with his uh, black hair. Yeah. And, uh, and poor they... Scotty can't even tell it's Scotty. Scotty is blonde in a couple of these. Yeah. Um, Spock always looks good. And part of that yeah. is because Leonard Nimoy has such, such distinctive features and part of, well, even when his ears get huge and are like four feet tall, yeah. you can still tell that it's Spock, but sometimes you'll get this weirdly perfect Shatner face. Yeah. And then on, in the next panel, it's like, I have no idea who this yeah, character it's because, is. Because uh, again, going back to the artists, all they had were headshots. So they had no idea yep. how tall these people were. They didn't know what they looked like from various angles. All they had were these yep. big headshots. So yeah, in the close Probably black and white too. Yeah. If yeah. you look in like uh, in the second story, if you look on what page is it? Maybe it's the, yeah, it's the first, uh, second page, uh, second panel where he's kind of mm-hmm. looking right at the pan, right at the, uh, audience. Yeah, it looks like Kirk, but then you flip That's the it. next page onto page uh, eight, 
and you look in the lower right hand corner and he looks like a uh, uh, second James Bond. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, no, he does. Yeah, he looks like Sean Connery. No, no, not Sean he, Connery. The other one. George Lazenby. George, Lord George Lazenby. Oh, uh, sure. I think he looks like Connery. Uh, okay. There are some very Connery Kirks in these in these. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and so it was just like There's a couple of John Wayne Kirks that entertain <laughs> the crap out of But shows. then when you look at him from the side or from the back, you know, three quarter back, Kirk looks nothing like Kirk. And I think oh, that yeah. as I mean, the art is good for yes. for the time period. Yeah. And it for is, what the it art is, is lovely it even is for today. Fun. Yeah. Yeah, if and you, and really it it really shines when it's allowed to do its own thing, when mm-hmm. it's like weird like you know living wheelbarrows building a a society <laughs> mm-hmm, or when it's right. like big weird green aliens that would never be in star trek because right. they didn't have that much green paint right. to, to to paint 10 extras like that's actually when these comics really shine it's not really star trekky looking oh, but no. it's still really cool to look at and yeah. it's and it's cool how they're trying to interpret technology you know like in the tv series uh, you would just pop in this little cartridge or this little uh, flat disc or a flat uh, square to mm-hmm. play back anything or to see anything. And yet when we get into the invasion of the city builders, here's Spock going, let me load up this uh, reel of film so we can mm-hmm. take a look at uh, at this uh, this planet from high above. I love yeah. the fact that throughout episode one or issue one, Kirk is talking into his tricorder as though it's the communicator. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. That's wonderful. And there, there are some shots of the phasers where the phasers turn into these huge frap guns, mm-hmm. yeah. but they're still recognizably drawn as a phaser. It's just that it looks like they had no, they had no reference for scale. They have like, here's a picture of this frap gun. Yeah. So it's clearly an enormous gun, but it's fascinating to look at this because it feels like, it feels like an alternate world version really of does. Star Trek. And the interesting thing is if, and again, um, kind of to keep the Star Wars fans happy, this mm-hmm. same th- thing kind of happened with the Star Wars comics, right, Matthew, when they first came out? The first, what, six issues of sure. Star Wars? The first six issues were based on a script treatment and set photos. And then in issue seven, they had to start making up their own stories. And that's where we started getting things like Jackson, the giant green rabbit, and Han Solo and his Magnificent Seven and there's one point where space termites are eating the Millennium Falcon. Well, even in the and uh, it's some of the it's some of the best books in oh, yeah. the series for me. Uh-huh. If, if you go back and look at those original Marvel comics, the first six issues, it's like Darth Vader is green and the Death Star looks yep. nothing like the Death Star, and it's just these are one of these things that happen when the creators or the the comic book creators have mm-hmm. no frame of reference for anything. Uh, they can't see the TV show. In the case of Star Trek, they don't have any access to. Uh, the movie, and they're just going with their own imaginations. And of course, it's comic books. So who's going to read this stuff? I wonder. Well, that's well the thing. in 1967, there was no such thing as replayability. Mm-hmm. If you wanted to see Journey to Babel again, you waited until that sucker came around in the rotation weeks and weeks later, or months later. Yeah, and this. these were something you could reread and go through and go over. I mean, Mm -hmm. if you think about it, this is some of the first uh, Star Trek I was ever exposed to. Yeah. It was one of those same books. And I remember it vividly. And I remember specific moments from the, the collected issue. Uh, The, the one that I first read was either three or four. 
It's the one that has uh, Kirk with a perfectly drawn uh, left arm with a right hand coming out of the sleeve. <laughs> but these, these are the things that people remember. These were designed to be the experiences that kids could take and read over and over and over mm-hmm. while they waited for the next Saturday night episode of Star Trek. Yeah. I wonder, and, and I had already seen the, the reruns. Uh, I was watching mm-hmm. reruns of the Sunday mornings. Uh, yeah. when they would show it on uh, Channel 41. Cool. Oh yeah, because it was, uh, what what came first, Star Trek or uh, Wild Wild West? I think Wild Wild West was Star first. Trek. I, Star Trek. Okay. Wild right. Wild West came out like came, a year later, I think. No, no, no. I mean, uh, on the rerun Sunday mornings. Oh, Wild Wild West was on before it. Yeah, yeah. before Star Trek, because that's how I'd always get into Wild Wild West, because I'd be like, what time does Star Trek start? Ah, oh, the stupid Western. What is going on with this guy? This guy's cool. Da, 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 um, da, da. My dad would only for Wild 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 West. He would only watch the intro because he really liked the song and the animation for Wild Wild West. <laughs> uh, really weird. Uh, I digress. Uh, I'm wondering as I'm looking at Invasion of the City Builders. I'm wondering at this point in comics history, how much of an mm-hmm. influence Jack Kirby has on comic book book artists around the world? Because as you look at this, you see some kind of Kirby dot influence. The uh, the mm-hmm. the citizens who are wearing these weird biker outfits kind of mm-hmm. look like Kirby-esque creations or at least designs. And a lot of the oh. uh, the city stuff kind of follows a Kirby Kirby design. So I'm wondering how much Kirby had as an influence in, in any of these uh, books. Is that issue two or issue three? Uh, this is issue three, The Invasion of the City Builders. Issue three came out in December of 68. So at that point, Marvel Comics was a bona fide worldwide huge phenomenon. Mm-hmm. 68 was the point where everything busted open. It was Silver Surfer. It was Captain America. It was, you know, the Hulk on TV with his cool Hulk uh, cartoon. I mean, Marvel Comics were huge. And Kirby had been in the industry for over 25 years in 68. So, yeah, I would I'd say it's 100 percent possible. Well, especially with his his Marvel work, I think is is. Yeah. Seems reflective in, in these panels that we're looking at. Yeah. The, yeah. The thing that's really interesting to me is when they're drawing scenes that feel Star Trek, mm-hmm. there's still something off, <laughs> off, but they're so pretty. Yeah. You know, when, when they step into the teleport room and Sulu is, is running the, uh, I think it's Sulu. I don't know. It, it could be Lieutenant Garfinan, but is he's running the thing and beaming them down to the planet. It looks cool. And you're like, that's the, tra- that's cl- clearly the transporter pad mm-hmm. from the top. And then mm-hmm. just, but the rest of it just kind of looks like something out of 20,000 leagues under the sea. And it's, it's fascinating. Oh yeah. yeah and, and really it's just like, I mean, can you imagine being given like, five headshots and mm-hmm. like a, a script and being like, draw this. It's like, you have to fill in so much, you know, mm-hmm. like, yeah. I mean, I think, I think all of us have uh, like all three of us have worked in television, like producing shows, yeah. right. It's like how much of a pain in the butt is it when you don't have an asset, mm-hmm. right? Yep. It's like, you need this. It's like, okay. And here, this logo is going to come in. We don't have that logo. Do I have to make this logo? Yeah. Do I have to sit down and design a logo right now? <laughs> is that what needs to happen? And this is like panel by panel. These guys had to do that because oh, yeah. they didn't have any references. Yeah. Yep. And they do a great job. It doesn't look like Star Trek, but how could it possibly, right? And, right? Even, and the other thing, again, and this is something that I think that happens in adaptation is even dialogue seems not natural. I mean, the dialogue that comes out of 
Spock's man. Spock spends a lot of time yelling. Do not disturb me, Captain. Spock Spock is a stone cold bastard in this just all the way through. He's like, like, I may have enjoyed being captain too much. I may not return command. (laughs) 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 Oh, yeah. There's the the episode where they get stranded on the prison planet. And uh, Kirk's like, don't let these prisoners on board. And that's an order. And then he's up there and they're like, oh, surely you're not going to listen to this. And Spock's like, screw that. I'm the captain. I'll do whatever I want. Yo. He made me the captain before he tried to give me orders, and now I'm the captain, so I don't have to listen yeah. to him. It's re- I mean, it's, it's just... really crazy. It, it, I mean, it is – and here's the thing, and this is uh, – I'm reading the digital version now, but back mm-hmm. in my day, can you imagine two young kids who have been fighting I – mean, not fighting over this, but reading and rereading and passing it back and forth in a mm-hmm. really crappy newspaper print trade paperback of this? I mean, pages mm-hmm. are pages were yellow, and that was just because of the the comic yeah. print. So sure. when I look at this now, and I I don't see dots, I don't yes. see you know, I don't see the faded color, I don't see pages the where we've burned, yeah, or, or even just holding the comic, and you you're getting so intense where the pages are rubbing against each other, and the uh, a hole wears in between uh, the cover. I mean, it's it's fantastic to see these yeah. things restored. But mm-hmm. there was something about it I can still remember because um, uh, my friend's family uh, used uh, wood fire heat in the wintertime a lot. So their house right. always had this, you know, chimney smell to it. And that seeped into that comic. So if I had that comic in my bedroom and my friend came over looking for it, man, he knew exactly where it was because all you had to do is smelled, like smelled like burnt wood. Yeah, yeah. that's weird. Yeah, oh, no. That's it's, really weird. What, what I really love are like the peaks of the technology. Mm-hmm. There's a point where we see a cutaway of the ship. Yes, and it's like and three if we, Yeah, if we, <laughs> and if we look at the people inside, the Enterprise is like 80 <laughs> feet long. And that they have, they clearly had photo reference on the phasers and the, mm-hmm. the phaser rifles, but the scale is all funny. It's just, it's beautiful to look at. It's, and of course, I will never get over the rocket trails propelling the ship Oh yeah, from the back of the nacelles, and I'm. <laughs> it's so beautiful. So what? Is, These is, guys had so much creativity. Yeah, they certainly did. What? What is? What's? What's kind of the bottom line, Rodrigo? Is this series? Is it worth checking out, even from a historical perspective, or is this so off from what people think about Star Trek that they would be better off just going on with the ongoing comic book adventures that we see from IDW Publishing? And Gold Key is just that kind of a footnote of uh, of comics that are kind of weird. Yeah. So for me, this is very interesting because of its origin, right? Because it is just like someone else being given this set of things and being like, do something with it. And what it is, is not what the original creators made independently, so it's a fascinating study. Um, so if you're interested in that, then I'd say definitely check it out. If you're interested in that, this kind of sci-fi, this is like, this is like prime comic book, like, like two, like uh, two issues per storyline, kind of like you know, actual literal cliffhanger stuff. So if you're into that, you know, if you're into like old Legion of superheroes where they were like, we have to fly to the monster planet. Ah, now we're here. Let's fight some monsters. Um, (laughs) I think there's a lot to like here. And, you know, if you always thought, well, uh, William Shatner would have 
looked a lot better wearing green and with black hair, then this is the comic for you. Oh, and plus, don't forget, everyone in the Star Trek universe speaks Esperanza, even though no one in the comic actually speaks Esperanza. Sure. Uh, Matthew, what about you? Is this something that is is worth buying, checking out? It's like this first volume on Comixology is eleven ninety nine. I'm sure it's the same for the print. This yeah. is an IDW um, restored version. I think the print there. is a little spendier. I want to say the print is like 17, although I was looking at it on Amazon, so I don't know. Oh, okay. Um, I say absolutely, but you have to keep in mind, I have a buy on site for most gold key titles, especially high profile adaptations like Star Trek because of what they are. They're not Roddenberry's vision of a mm-hmm. unified mm-hmm. future where everybody's happy But the art in these is fascinating. The ship always looks amazing. The thing that you have to keep in mind about any Gold Key comic is that Gold Key was a company whose main thrust was as many books to the stands as possible. And based on that theory, it's amazing the quality that you get out of these books. And these stories don't feel like Star Trek. They don't necessarily look like Star Trek, but they make for good reads. And they're fascinating to look at. And as long as you're not going to be one of those lol, fail, point and laugh guys, Mm -hmm. they're hysterical to look at and say, look what they did with Star Trek. Mm -hmm. Okay, this alien planet is, is split in two, see, and they're led by two guys named Justin. And these two guys named Justin each have a planet. So they're going to save the day by getting a magnetic sphere from space and sticking it between the planets. But before that can happen, there's an asteroid that punches a bunch of holes in the ship, which, by the way, probably should have killed them. I would have known that even when I was seven. But it's just it's wonderful to read this because it feels like some early examples of fan fiction. Mm hmm. But it's done so professionally and it's done so well that it's these these are fun reads. These are good to read in and of themselves, just as long as you don't expect them to be journey on the edge of forever. Right. You know, for me, this is total kid kid flashback nostalgia stuff. I mean, like I said, having that book in my hands and being able to read these really long tales. I mean, these are not adventures that are wrapped up in eight pages. Uh, As Rodrigo said, this is feels like a double sized issue. When you go in and, mm-hmm. and you read this, uh, these adventures and yeah, they're not, it's not Star Trek that, you know, uh, it's not even, uh, enterprise, uh, but it is <laughs> this very different look at a Star Trek universe. So there is some historical, there's some historical value in reading this. Uh, mm. I would say this is definitely a borrow if you're able to find it or borrow it from someone. I'm not like sure that this library. is, yeah, like a library or, you know, like me, a friend who had it and you can just borrow it from them for a month at a time. Um, but this is not a this is not a must have book for me, but it's certainly brought back a lot of memories and it's certainly a lot of fun. And I'm glad we had a chance on this 50th uh, anniversary year of Star Trek to uh, to take a look at it because it, it was fun. And if you again, if you want to just look at it from the perspective of what happens when you give a bunch of people zero assets and tell them to make something <laughs> that's supposed to be in line I, with brand marketing. This is I just is really. It. I want more of this. I know that there's a Star oh, there's Trek a and there's Star Wars, but, but I don't mean the Star Trek specifically. Oh, okay. Like I want to I want to see like what happens when somebody who has never seen the Ninja Turtles is they're like, "Okay, well, m- go make Ninja Turtles comics, right?" It's mm-hmm. like 
are there how many more franchises are there where this happened? Like, I I want to I want to well, see what happens. I know that, for example, when uh, the old like Superman serials were coming out, they were yeah. all in black and white. Mm-hmm. So they would make colored posters, and like Superman had like a red like a red outfit with like green trunks and a black cape and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. You know, but but those were just like publicity things. Like, are, are there more things like this where there was like nobody knew what the right hand was doing? Oh, I'm sure there's there are. a ton of it if you look through Gold Key. And again, Gold Key adapted weird stuff. For a while, they had a Brady Bunch license. So if you want to read Woody Woodpecker comics featuring the kids from the Brady Bunch, you can. Thanks wow. to the magic that is Gold Key. Western Publishing, uh, Gold Key, for a while they were also called Whitman. Mm-hmm. And if you go back far enough, they'll be under Dell. But they had tons of stuff. They had, like, all of the cartoons. They had oh, yeah. Adam-12. They Andy had Emergency. Snoots, Dr. Solar. Yep. They didn't have uh, the $6 million man, but the $6 million man from Charlton is another good example of comic books right, taking right. a character and just going, Oh yeah. If you look at so. what Valiant, if you look at what Valiant has right now, uh, a lot of that stuff, well, maybe it's not Valiant anymore, but, uh, mm. Dr. Solar, man of the atom, Magnus robot fighter, mm-hmm. um, Turok dinosaur, Turok, uh, Turok, son of stone, son of yeah. stone, not dinosaur hunter. You know, that was all mm-hmm. gold key stuff. Mm-hmm. And those were their long running, uh, properties. And then who are the, who, of where course are those they did now. Those are at, uh, are they at the last time I saw them, they were at dark horse. Oh, dark horse. Okay. Yeah. They were under shooter at dark horse, but that's been like 2008, 2009. Oh, yeah. Just go look at their, just go look at their list of licensed, co- uh, comics. I mean, it is all over the place as far as what they have. Yeah. The girl from, and that was, that was the thing. They would buy a license. Yes. They had the get smart license. Mm-hmm. Get smart books are fun yeah they are not get smart stories no, no. Uh-huh. but they are fun yeah so there you go ladies and gentlemen uh take a look at it if you can get your hands on it uh, star trek the gold key archives they're available from idw now and they're totally remastered so you're getting good clean art but if you're ever digging through a back issue bin and you come across this stuff it might be worth grabbing it if if you can find it and if it's a if it's a first uh, first printing from from that gold, aspect. Gold keys ain't going to be cheap these days, but they're always worth the effort. All right, everyone. Thank you so much for downloading. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much for sharing and being part of the Major Spoilers experience. Certainly thank you to all of our VIP and Patreon members. If you enjoyed the show and want to see it continue, patreon.com slash major spoilers. Give as little as you want or as much as you want. It doesn't matter. Every little bit helps and goes right back into the programming that we create at majorspoilers.com. Matthew, where can people find more of you? You can find me at Mighty King Cobra on the Twitter. Same place on the Tumblr. I posted something for the first time in like three months on Tumblr, so go check it out. It may be funny and maybe not. Who's to say? Uh, you can find me on Facebook if you look hard enough, but I'm no fun there, so there's no sense. Yeah. Uh, and Rodrigo, what about you? Uh, at Fearsome Critter on Twitter and uh, Magic Turtle on Tumblr. Magic if you want to just Turtle. hear me. If you want to just hear me cry and cry about my uh, Overwatch uh, <laughs> lack of expertise. Drop, I'm no good at Eva. You, I'm losing Ovion. How do you drop a thousand points? Well, by being bad at it. Oh. Basically, <laughs> there's so it starts out with a placement with you play like a bunch of placement matches and right. then they give you a starting oh, score oh, where okay. they 
basically the game tries to decide where you fit. Mm-hmm. And the only thing we know is that those that starting score really just compresses everyone. So right off the bat, the good players like shoot up and the bad players just like get thrown down. So there's also kind of there's a lot of stuff going on. Um, basically, there's this one character that I started playing and I'm winning a lot more now. And I think it's because that character is very strong, but also nobody wants to play him. Mm. So now that someone in the team is playing him, the team's doing better. So I might just start playing that character always and see how I do. There you go. Well, keep practicing. That's what I keep telling my son. Keep practicing. You will get better at anything you do. And uh, listeners, if you want to hear more crazy conversations, join Zach Wolf and I this week when we talk about not quite Stranger Things, but Stranger Things on this week's Zach on Film. You will find it in the Major Spoilers Podcast Network Master Feed, as well as a bunch of other shows we do. So many shows, so much content just for you. And we know that you love comics, and we do too. And that is why we do it. And we will talk with you soon. Stop talking about comic books or I'll kill you. I don't care if the Hulk could defeat the man of Podcast is copyright 2016 by Major Spoilers Entertainment, LLC.